Welcome to the Byesville Assembly of God podcast. We are a church of connection with God, with people, and our community. Join us each week for powerful messages from God's Word presented by our lead pastor, Dustin Dyke. And now, this week's message. In a great way. Who has had a cup of coffee this morning? I have had my cup of coffee and it is going straight to my bloodstream and I am so excited about what this morning is going to hold. This week, we're ending our focus series, and we've unpacked all of the core values of our new vision and mission, except for one, which we'll be talking about today. So far, we've covered five of our six core values. They're on the screen right here, or they will be on the screen right here in just a moment. There they are. Thank you so much. We got a great media team. Appreciate you guys and all you're doing, keeping me on the right page here. It means a lot. So our core values are this, connection to God, missions-focused, biblical lifestyle, passionate worship, spirit-empowered, and our last one today that we're covering is others-focused. We just went through a new vision and mission statement process where we really sought God on, God, what direction do you have us going? And these are the core values we really believe that God is directing us in so that we would be more in line with the Word of God and just really focused in on this. So the core value statement that goes along with others-focused is this, Pursuing healthy, genuine, life-giving, and multi-generational relationships with others. Others focus. Pursuing healthy, genuine, life-giving, and multi-generational relationships with others. You know, we were meant to do life with other people. Do you believe that? Other than the spiritual benefits of having a good Christian circle of people around you, there are actually many studies that show that healthy relationships lead to better health as a whole. Now, we're going to take a look at the biblical perspective behind being others-focused. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Point number one is consider others first. When we're born, we're born into a sinful world, and as a part of that, we naturally think of ourselves first. One of the first words that toddlers learn is mine, right? Give me that toy. It's mine. From the beginning, and I've got a few kids, and that's just, I'm not speaking ill about my kids. Every kid, that's just the way it is because we're born into a world of sin. When my great uncle was here a few weeks ago, uh, he was uh, teaching at our Wednesday night service. He's a professor at the Assembly of God Seminary in Springfield, Missouri, and he did a, a question and answer time about the Old Testament. But we were out for, for dinner somewhere, and uh, my son, Nehemiah, asked, asked uh, me if he could do something. I forget what it was. He said, Daddy, can I do something? I said, no, buddy, not right now. And then he says, Mommy, can I do thus and so? And one of our things, that, and of course, Hannah said, no, mommy and daddy are on the same team, okay? And so that's the way it is. But my uncle said, it's such an interesting thing. He said, isn't it interesting that kids just naturally do this? They, they think of themselves and they try and then even to pit mom and dad against one another. It happens for every kid. It's just a part of life. And because we're born into a world of sin, we often think of ourselves first. But God's instruction is to think of others first. And in fact, count them more significant than yourself. And now I owe my son a sucker today because I used him as a sermon illustration. So there we go. I'm going to have to give him that. If you go down the route of believing that you're better than everyone else, you're teetering on the cliff of pride. And that's going to put you on a route that you don't want to go. The thing is that most people don't think that they have a problem in the area of pride. What I have found is that people who think they're the most prideful people are usually the most humble people. 
And the people who think they're the most humble are really, typically, the most prideful. And the best way to find out if you are prideful is, just a practical piece of advice, is to ask a trusted source. Someone you know will be completely honest with you. Sometimes that's your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, ask a trusted friend or a mentor of yours. If you don't ask the question, you will not know if you have an issue in the area of pride. So it's really important to consider God's instruction with this. The big part of our core value of others-focused is healthy, genuine, life-giving, and multi-generational relationships. Having people that are close to you of different age groups uh, is, is helpful. Because if you're older and you have younger people in your life, that'll keep you young. And if you're younger, you'll glean from the wisdom and experience of the people who have lived longer than you have. And so as we look at this idea of being others-focused, if we don't keep others at the forefront of our mind, we can begin to look inward. Hi, Easton. I'm glad you're here with us this morning. I love the sound of babies in our church. That's life-giving. If we're looking inward and focusing on ourselves all the time, we can go down a road that is very dangerous. See, David was a man in the Bible who struck down the Philistine giant. Does anybody remember the story of David and Goliath? This is one that if you have grown up in the church, you might have seen it in, in your kid's Bible, or if you were not a kid and in church, well, everyone was a kid at one point, um, but if you were not in church as a kid, this story may not be as familiar to you. Uh, but there was a man named David. He struck down a big Philistine giant. We're not going through that whole story today. We're kind of going to look at just after that story. But Saul, who's the king, recognizes this great victory that David had. And because David had this victory, Saul set him over the men of war. Psalm, 1 Samuel 18.5 says, And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So point number two is David's leadership. See, this is good. Saul sees that David had success with the giant at such a young age. We believe that David was around the age of a teenager at this point. So this was a pretty big feat that he had accomplished. And Saul recognized his talent and set him over the men of war. And you know what? David was successful wherever Saul sent him. This seems really good to Saul because they had victory. There was victory wherever David went. And Saul trusted David then with this army. This is a really good thing for now. See, something happened that really changed things. We're going to read this chunk of scripture from 1 Samuel 18, verses 6 through 10. This is what it says. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands, and what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. As he did day by day, Saul had a spear in his hand. Point number three is harmful spirit upon Saul. So we understand that David had all this success, and there were these women who began to sing about how David had this success. Not only did they talk about it, but they sang about it. <laughs> Very interesting. And they sang about it in front of the king. 
The Bible says Saul was very angry, and their singing obviously displeased him. So this is pretty interesting because just a few years, a few verses prior, Saul was the one praising him for the work that he did. But it looks like a switch happened because the moment that someone else sang David's praises, everything changed. There was a switch that happened here, and we read about it in verse 10. A harmful spirit rushed upon Saul. See, when we allowed pride to get in the way of our relationships with other people, the enemy has a foothold that is a dangerous trap that will lead you down the road to destruction. If you're offended by someone else in this moment, the problem isn't what you think it is. And you might say, oh no, but this person did... Hold it, because most times when we're offended by someone or something that someone says or does, we get so focused on that person that we're offended with, and Lord help us, i got to have us all understand that you're focusing on the wrong source. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This verse clearly tells us that the battles that we think are against one another are not. They are not really against one another. If you're offended in this moment or hurt or angry at someone about something and things are unresolved, your focus shouldn't be on how awful the other person is. Your focus should be on praying for them and praying that the spiritual battle that is truly at play would be halted in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every other name. This verse tells us that our battle or our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against the authorities, etc. So that means that when it seems like people are attacking you and coming against you, no matter who it is, it's truly Satan's influence in the world that is attacking the Jesus inside of you. It's not two people warring against one another. It's two forces, spiritual forces, two spiritual forces coming against each other and butting heads, yet the power of Jesus has more power than the power of Satan. And if we understand this concept, it changes the way that we handle relationships. It completely changes the way we handle them because we're not viewing it from a human point of, worldly point of view. We're no longer trying to come out on top and look like the one who was right. Now we're doing our best to keep peace with our brothers and sisters around us. Now, does this mean that you're supposed to be best friends with the people that have hurt you? Well, not necessarily. I've seen it happen, though, but every situation is different. Some people have been hurt in ways so grievous that reconciling and even seeing that person again would be very detrimental and inappropriate, such as situations like abuse or neglect or other things like this. So don't think that every single person who has hurt you in an awful way you need to go and be best buds with. That's not the idea here. Every situation is different, but the point of the matter is this, that the battle is spiritual. It's not against human and human. The battle is not. It is a spiritual battle that's won through prayer and as God leads, restoration of relationship. As we look at Saul's offense here, he was upset that David was receiving the accolades of all the wars he was winning. In Saul's mind, it was okay for Saul to present accolades and high position to David, but it was only okay for him to do that. The moment that someone else started to give him accolades and discount the accolades of Saul, that's when things shifted. When that pride set in, when that jealousy set in, Scripture says that a harmful spirit rushed upon Saul. See, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 in the New Living Translation puts it this way, and don't sin by letting anger control you. 
Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives the, a foothold to the devil. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. And that's exactly what happened to Saul here. He was jealous. He was prideful. He got angry. He allowed the devil to have a foothold. And I've got to tell you, if you're jealous of the success of other people around you, you might want to check your heart because you're probably the problem, not them. If you are seriously jealous of success of other people because you don't have it yourself, check the heart. I'm sure it might... I'm sure it hurt Saul that these ladies were dancing and singing about David's success. And to be quite honest with you, I'll admit, it probably wasn't the best approach for these women to go sing about David's success and about Saul's unsuccess in front of him. It's kind of rude, I I feel. Uh, But regardless, the issue still stands that Saul had a heart that was very jealous and bitter, and this harmful spirit still made its way into Saul, and he was jealous of the success. See, that verse in Ephesians 4 here talked about that no, the sun going down while you're still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. This is something that Hannah and I have taken and we've applied to our marriage since day one. This was also some advice that Hannah's grandfather gave us the night before our wedding. See, if you've got a problem with your spouse, talk it over. Figure out a solution before you go to bed. Don't sleep on the anger. Don't sleep on anger. Don't let it fester. Talk it out. You'll be amazed at what it will do for your marriage. There are times that Hannah and I get frustrated about something that was done throughout the day that either I or her did, mostly me, but that's okay. And as frustrated as we could get sometimes, one of us, by the end of the day, brings up the situation before we go to bed. We talk it out. We do our best to come to a solution. And is it a perfect conversation every time? No, it's not. But at least either of us will bring it up, and, and as we do, talk about different issues from throughout the day, we then have an avenue to open up an opportunity for us to then discuss this. I believe it leads to the blessing of God in marriage, and I believe it leads to the blessing of God in every issue and situation that you have with anybody. Sometimes our opinions can hurt one another. And we have to remember that relationship is more important. If you don't practice this, begin right away. If you don't practice the idea of of not going to bed angry, do do this. Because Hannah and I do this because we value each other. and, And we value each other more than we value our opinion about the situation. Our opinions can hurt one another, but I took a vow on my wedding day. And, and, you know, for me, integrity is of utmost importance, and I take my wedding vows very seriously. The day that I told Hannah, I, Dustin, take you, Hannah, to be my wife, you've heard the vows to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish from this day forward till death do us part. See, there's a line in those vows that says to love and to cherish, and that line right there, I vowed to love Hannah, and to cherish her with all my heart, and I won't let anything stand in the way of my vow to her. I meant it then, and I mean it now, and my opinion of some ridiculous argument will never stand in the way of my vow to love and to cherish Hannah. Even if she won't let me buy Packers games tickets this afternoon to watch the Packers beat the Cowboys at 425, (laughs) even if it's that argument, I know it's going to happen. Lambeau Field, they're playing away. But I'll let it go. Whatever it is, I've got to let it go. I've got to choose to let it go for the sake 
of my love for her. And sometimes we seriously have to put our opinions on hold and remember to love and cherish those around us because relationship is more important than winning the argument or even having the upper hand in a, in a fight. And I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but all of us have had dealings either with our spouse or other people or friends, family. It's important we understand the biblical framework for relationships. Saul wanted the upper hand. He wanted it. We can see this because he went with a spear to David. But these ladies in Psalm 18 were singing about his accolades and it made him upset. The last thing we read in 1 Samuel 18 that we just read was that Saul had a spear in his hand. And we pick this up in verse 11 and 12. And Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So he's jealous that David is viewed as the warrior now. So he grabs this spear and tries to kill him. Not once, but twice. Saul Almost killed him twice. He meant to, by the way. This almost reminds me of the impulsiveness of King Nebuchadnezzar as uh, his first go seems to be killing people as well. If you've read anything about Nebuchadnezzar, you know that he's the one that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace and many other times that killing just seemed to be the first thing for him. So let's follow the train of thought here with Saul. Let's understand the flow of this thought process. David gets accolades. Saul puts him in a place of leadership, and he gets the accolades. Saul gets jealous. An evil spirit rushed upon him, and now he's seeking to kill David. This is what happens when you allow just a little sin to enter your life. No one wakes up one day and decides to be a bank robber, right? I mean, there's a process there to getting to a crime like that. It starts out with little robberies, such as stealing the candy bar. I'm not advocating for stealing the candy bar. I'm just telling you what leads to a bank robbery. But I'm not saying if you do steal, uh, just whatever. Okay, it starts out small. And you steal one candy bar, you get the package of candy bars, and then something bigger until it comes to the bank. Sin works like that. You begin with one small thing, and it will spiral downhill very fast, I can guarantee you. The devil's schemes and plots... He, and he wants to destroy you. So you better believe that he'll do everything in his power to take you under. And so Saul was going to kill David, but David escaped twice. So Saul was then afraid of David. And so verse 14 brings us to, And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Let me put that verse up there, if it is up there. And, and David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. I guess it's not up there. I must have forgot. So he, he, we got to get this. He has success. He honored the Lord. God blessed his path. He blessed the path of David. Saul kept being concerned with himself and focused on, on the success of David that he missed an opportunity to do exactly what we're talking about today, being others-focused. See, when you're focused on others, there's blessing for the other person. But I also believe that there's blessing for you because you're honoring God's word and doing what God's Word says. Others focused, pursuing healthy, genuine, life-giving, and multi-generational relationships with others. That's what I believe it's all about. Karen, could you come forward and play softly on the piano today? See, let me help, have us understand. We saw a bad example with Saul. He did not focus on other people. He focused on himself. But the best example that we have of focusing on others is the example that we get through none other than, none other than Jesus Christ himself. See, we have to understand that because we were born into a world of sin, sin was part of us whether we liked it or not. 
And that sin we involved ourselves with gives us an eternal sentence in hell. It's just the fact. Except for the fact that there's a way out of hell, and Paul explains it very well in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. It says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of humankind. But God, someone say, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Jesus Christ was focused on others as he paid the ultimate price for the sins of all humanity on the cross when he died for you and when he died for me. This death and resurrection gave us the opportunity to have new life in Christ. New life that navigates us away from sin and navigates us to freedom in Jesus Christ. And it all begins with relationship. A relationship with Jesus that is so vital. The most important decision you could ever make. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as you reflect on what God's speaking to you today? Lord, speak to our hearts in this moment. Speak to our hearts in this moment. Help us to consider what it means to have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed. Today, if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, either for the first time or as a recommitment, I invite you to raise your hand and then put it back down. I'm not going to call you forward to the front this morning, but I do want to give an opportunity. If you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, either for the first time or as a recommitment, just put your hand up in the air and put it back down. We'll take an opportunity to pray as we close today. As I did see hands go up, I want to take this opportunity and, and pray this prayer. Now, you've got to understand this prayer doesn't save you. However, the heart behind this prayer is what saves you. So understand that as you pray, make a decision in your heart that you want to serve Jesus with all of your heart. I ask that all of our church joins us in repeating this prayer today as we do together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. All of my sin. And be the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. Help me to turn from my sin. And live for you. For the rest of my life. And into eternity. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. Those that are being baptized in water, if you can make your way out the back to uh, the room on the side here, we're going to begin water baptism in just a moment. Again, if you're being baptized in water, go ahead and make your way around. If you've begun that relationship with Jesus Christ today, don't leave without talking to me about that because I want to celebrate with you. We also have some next steps for you. What I'm going to give you, if you've accepted Christ, is what's called the New Believer's Handbook. It's a reading that is a daily reading that takes you through about eight weeks in growing in your new relationship with Christ. We believe this is of utmost importance as you begin that relationship. Additionally, I'd like to pray for those who are struggling with being others-focused so that we would truly grasp this very important biblical truth that made its way in, really into one of our core values at our church. Let's pray today. Dear Jesus, we, we truly come to you today and ask that you would help us in the area of being focused on other people rather than being so focused on ourselves. Dear Jesus, I pray that if any one of us is struggling with the issue of looking at ourselves better than, better than we ought to, that 
you would help us to have a shift in our life to focus on others rather than ourselves. And God, I, I pray that we don't do this out of obligation, but I pray that we do this because of our genuine love for other people. I pray, God, that we would understand what it means to truly have your heart when it comes to other people. Show us what it means, Lord. Show us what it means to be others-focused. Show us what it means to apply your truth to our life. God, I just pray, I, I thank you for the example of, of your son, Jesus, as he recognized that all of us, because of our sin, were destined to death. But God, you saw our need for your son, and so you sent him, and you gave up your only son for us. And we thank you so much for doing that, Lord. We couldn't be more grateful for the sacrifice that you made for us. Jesus, help us to be focused on you. Help us to be focused on other people so that we would truly have the mind of Christ. God, be with us today. Be with us today and show us what it means truly to be followers of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. And our church said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening this week. If this program has been a blessing to you, we hope you will reach out and connect with us online at our website at buysvilleag.org or connect with us on our social media platforms. On Facebook, it's Buysville Assembly of God or on Instagram, it's at Buysville AG. Have a wonderful week.